The thing that's so powerful about obesity as a driver of illness and healthcare costs is that it hits so many different areas because fat cells produce hormones, which when they add up, cause the diseases that we now associate with obesity. Everything from heart disease to sleep apnea to prediabetes. What we've found to be really required is a comprehensive, individualized medical approach to this chronic condition. And this is what we practice patient by patient at the Comprehensive Weight Control Center at Weill Cornell Medicine. But it really feels like a drop in the bucket when we're talking about 74% of the country who have overweight or obesity. That was Dr. Louis Aroni and Dr. Katherine Saunders leading experts in the field of obesity medicine, co-founders of IntelliHealth, and your co-hosts for Weight Matters. The mission here is simple, to unpack the science behind our weight, why it matters, and the effects it has on our health, psychology, and society. All season, Drs. Aroni and Saunders, along with experts in the field, will tackle the many ways weight impacts our broader health, and together, we'll explore innovative strategies for preventing and treating obesity. In this first episode, Drs. Aroni and Saunders are joined by digital health influencer and Finn Partners Global Health Chair Gil Bash for a conversation about the history of obesity treatment and weight management. They also discuss the widespread public health impacts of the obesity epidemic and common misconceptions about weight management. Obesity is a clinical issue. It's certainly a public health issue, but it's also a business issue in my opinion. I mean, ultimately, 52% of us in America get our health insurance through our employers. Weight is contributing to the cost that employers have to bear. We're glad to have you along for this journey. There's a lot to discuss, so let's dive in. Hello, I want to welcome our listeners to our new podcast, Weight Matters. My name is Dr. Louis Roney. I'm the Weill Professor of Metabolic Research at Weill Cornell Medicine in New York City. I'm a founder of IntelliHealth, a new uh, program to help support our patients in their efforts to, to lose weight. We're thrilled to be doing this podcast uh, we think that it's critical to educating the public about the importance of obesity and correct the misinformation that is uh, out there. And with me doing the podcast is Dr. Katherine Saunders, who uh, works with me at the Comprehensive Weight Control Center at Weill Cornell. Katherine? Thank you for the introduction, Dr. Aroni. I'm Dr. Katherine Saunders. I'm an obesity medicine expert at Weill Cornell Medicine, the Comprehensive Weight Control Center. I'm also one of the co-founders of IntelliHealth, which Dr. Aroni mentioned. And um, our mission really with the company is to scale and democratize access to obesity medicine. We're thrilled to be hosting this podcast. We have 11 more episodes. I'd like to now introduce Dr. Gil Bash, who is the number one digital health influencer in the U.S. He's also a great public health advocate, so we feel very honored to have him here today. We have a lot to talk about. I know he's passionate about topics that are close to our heart and that we are thrilled to talk about. 
Dr. Saunders, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. And Dr. Roney, thank you also for welcoming me to your program. Weight matters. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I'm so thrilled and honored to be with both of you. You're your global leaders in the field, both in the science and, and most importantly through your clinical work, the practical engagement of people who are really struggling with excessive weight. And we often use that term obesity. And I think I've learned from both of you over time that when we're looking at obesity, we're looking at a very complex illness that cascades into so many other conditions. So thank you so much for having me on this inaugural program. Well, thanks for being with us, Gil. Uh, it's not every day you get to have the number one digital health influencer and health advocate on your program. <laughs> how, how do you do that? Oh, well, I have all my relatives constantly, 24 <laughs> hours a day, voting, voting. No, no, that's true. I don't know. I absolutely don't know. But what I do know is based upon your clinical work, Dr. Aroni, you're really the pioneer in the field. And, and Dr. Saunders, you're really showing the fact that this discipline needs to be rooted in the science. And at that point, of course, it's a problem just too big to keep at one great medical institution, while Cornell being one of the nation's great medical centers. But I know through your work with IntelliHealth, you're really seeking to reach out to corporations, physicians, individuals, the multitude of people who are facing issues of weight, because as you've named your program quite aptly, weight matters. You know, I know from all of our participation with the American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, other groups that are both professional and consumer oriented, that we are often looking at weight and people are often looking at weight cosmetically, but we're really looking at the, the conditions that weight contributes to. You know, I think certainly from my, my past as, as a national volunteer with the American Heart Association, I think of high cholesterol, I think of hypertension, I think of, of um, congestive heart failure, I think of prediabetes, I think of diabetes, I think of asthma, I think of the multitude of cancers that weight contributes to. I'm so glad that you decided to operationalize your science and turn it into an enterprise that can help people nationwide. I think that's the only way that you can get people to realize you really need to treat this seriously. So again, thank you so much. I'm eager to hear from both of you. I, I know I'm a guest, but I could listen to both of you all day. Thank you so much for those those excellent points, Gil. You're absolutely right. Obesity is an extremely complex disease. We now understand it to be a disease. And what's become very, very clear is that, you know, it's so much more than just diet and exercise, just eating less and exercising more. For the vast majority of people who are struggling with overweight or obesity, that's really just not going to cut it. And it's because of the complexity of this disease and how much our bodies really fight our best efforts at weight loss. So what we've found to be really required is a comprehensive, individualized medical approach to this chronic condition. And this is what we practice patient by patient at the Comprehensive Weight Control Center at Weill Cornell Medicine. 
but it really feels like a drop in the bucket when we're talking about 74% of the country who have overweight or obesity. So the reason why we decided to use technology in order to spread what we're doing is that they're not enough of us. I'm literally one of fewer than 75 fellowship trained obesity medicine specialists, and there are fewer than 6,000 obesity medicine certified physicians in the entire country. So it's clear that we have a massive, massive supply demand program. And our goal is really to scale and democratize access to what we're doing. Are we not taking obesity seriously enough? Are we just not realizing that weight matters, not just in terms of how we look, but how long we live? That's a great question, Gil. Excess weight, really everything spanning from overweight with health complications to obesity to higher levels of obesity is really a misunderstood medical condition. And as we've mentioned, obesity is now considered to actually be a medical disease that requires a comprehensive medical approach to treat. So there's so much misinformation. There's such a lack of information. It's such a huge industry and people are so desperate to lose weight that a lot of companies will, you know, advertise you here, ads on the radio all the time. You see commercials on TV about fixing somebody's metabolic situation and helping them lose 40 pounds in a certain amount of time and keep it off long term. It just doesn't work like that. And those are not ethical and appropriate ways to think about weight and to offer treatments for weight. We understand that weight regulation is just so much more complex than calories in, calories out. And strategies like eat less, exercise more are, are not sufficient for most people. The problem is that this is a newer field of medicine and there's a lack of training in medical training on what obesity is and how to treat it. This is why most health professionals really don't address their patient's weight and don't know how to help them lose weight. Or, you know, if they do address their weight, a lot of health professionals will say just start diet and exercise, but this doesn't work for most people. So what we're able to offer is something that really works and something that is so much more complex than what people assume weight is all about. You know, I wanted to pick up on that, Dr. Saunders. When you were in medical school, and Dr. Rowe, you're welcome to weigh in on this question as well. We've established that obesity is a significant medical condition that leads to other very serious life-threatening medical conditions. How much of your medical school training focused specifically on cardiometabolic and obesity-related issues? So we definitely focused quite a bit on, on cardiometabolic health, but the idea that obesity was really an underlying driver for so many of these conditions and the idea that you could really treat obesity as a way of improving these weight-related health conditions was not something that I came away from medical school with, unfortunately. I finished medical school about 10 years ago, but I do think now there is more education, but absolutely not enough for healthcare providers to finish their training and, and go out and feel really confident about seeing patients with obesity and thinking about them really holistically. Considering the magnitude of the problem, the amount of time devoted to obesity in the medical school curriculum is minuscule. It's tiny compared to the number of people and the fact that students 
residents, fellows, practicing physicians will encounter this every single day, every single day. More than a third of the people they see will have this. So that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. So no matter what you're in. You know, just listening to you about how few, and obviously the two of you are, are really leaders of that field, but how few trained clinicians, physicians there are in what is a problem of epidemic proportion. I think, and, and both of you would know this better than me, I think that there are 90 million Americans who are pre-diabetic, and only one in four know that. I'm certain weight plays a very significant role in pre-diabetes, and people, unfortunately, who are pre-diabetic graduate, and that's a a sad state, graduate to become diabetic, type 2 diabetic. So I would love to hear more from both you and Dr. Aroni what a telehealth is doing to sort of bring the word that, look, obesity is a clinical issue. It's certainly a public health issue, but it's also a business issue in my opinion. I mean, ultimately, 52% of us in America get our health insurance through our employers. I would imagine, you know best, Weight is contributing to the cost that employers have to bear. That's right, Gil. Obesity is one of the most costly drivers of uh, health care in the country. And the reason is that it drives more than 200 illnesses, more than 200. So you went on your litany of diseases associated with obesity, and you're just touching the surface. So the thing that's so powerful about obesity as a driver of illness and healthcare costs is that it hits so many different areas because fat cells produce hormones, multiple hormones, which when they add up, cause the diseases that we now associate with obesity. Uh, Everything from heart disease to sleep apnea to prediabetes, and you went, went on with the list. You know, one of the things that we're seeing now is that in certain areas like heart disease, in the past, physicians thought that if they treated the blood pressure, the cholesterol, and all of the underlying risk factors, recognized risk factors, they should be able to reduce the risk of developing heart disease to zero. But it's never gone down as much as expected. And the reason, in my opinion, is that they're not treating the obesity. And now we believe that we can take that extra step to getting the best results possible for any given patient. And what Catherine brought up about trying to democratize the treatment, we have the busiest center in the country here at Weill Cornell. We see 20,000 patients a year, 20,000 visits a year rather. 7,000 patients, we see 20,000 visits a year, and we're just touching the tip of the iceberg in doing that. So how do we get this kind of care everywhere to every person? And the answer is to make the resources that we have developed available to anybody, to any physician, to any nurse practitioner. And that's the point of IntelliHealth. So I've got to ask you both, it's clear we know weight matters. So 
how do we change people's perception of weight and metabolic health? And why don't we make healthcare providers treat the root cause of obesity rather than just the, the outward appearance, the, the side effect? Obesity is a disease unto itself with subconditions. So how do we change the perception of weight? I mean, it, this is an issue where people need to become more mindful. Gil, you're absolutely right. That is a great question that we talk about almost daily. You know, there's such a lack of information. There's such misinformation about weight regulation. So many people, even healthcare providers, think it's just about eating less and exercising more. And healthcare providers tell their patients just go on a diet, exercise, and then their patients don't lose weight and they don't know how to help them lose weight. So, you know, I can say for me, at least in medical school, I learned very little about weight regulation. It's getting better. We now have, there's more education in medical training about weight, but we're really far from where we need to be. So the answer is more education, public health advocacy. So we're thrilled to be talking to you as a major public health advocate, and we need to get the word out. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, we we joked around about digital health, but no social platforms. I've got to say that this is going to be high on my radar screen for social sharing. And I would urge all the listeners that have the link to share the program out as well. But I, I want to ask, what do you think are the most common misconceptions about metabolic health and and the treatment of obesity. I mean, you know, what's the thinking process in the physician's office between the physician and the person sitting in front of them? Let's list them out because I think by knowing the common misconceptions and getting them on the radar screen, we get people thinking differently. In my opinion, the number one misconception is that it's somebody's fault, that weight is under willful control, that you can just lose weight if you want to. And that is not true. There are powerful physiological or physical mechanisms that stop people from losing weight. They're built to prevent you from starving to death. And once you gain weight, what research has shown is that physical changes in the weight-regulating pathways make it difficult to lose. That doesn't mean that there aren't people who can't lose weight with diet and physical activity. There absolutely are. But the evidence is that the majority of people can't. So what do we say to them? Sorry, you're just going to have to develop diabetes. Our approach goes beyond diet and exercise alone. But we never blame patients for being in the predicament of having obesity. This concept of blame, people get rooted in almost like the super glue of blame. And I imagine psychologically, from a mental health standpoint, they want to avoid the issue rather than engage. I mean, from your standpoint, how do we change the patient experience about that perception or approach to obesity? Is there, from both of your perspectives, a narrative that you would recommend health professionals use to say to people who sit before them, hey, I don't want you to think that way. I want you to think this way. Yes, absolutely, Gil. There's definitely a narrative that should be talked about. So many of our patients really avoid medical care, as you mentioned, because they've had such bad experiences in the past. For example, we have some patients who've already lost a very significant amount of weight, and metabolically, they're in much better shape than when they're at their high weight, but maybe they're not at an ideal weight. Maybe they're still at a BMI level in in the obesity range, but so many providers don't 
ask about a patient's history and just say, oh, you need to lose more weight without knowing anything that's going on. Or many providers may attribute a certain symptom or a condition to weight when that's really not what's going on. And it's dangerous because serious health conditions can be missed when it's attributed to weight. So I think the narrative really needs to be that providers need more education in terms of what obesity is, the fact that it's a disease, the fact that it's a very complex chronic disease, and just about how to talk to their patients about their weight. It's tricky. Not all patients want to talk about their weight, so sometimes asking permission is a strategy that some providers use. Even the vocabulary is important. Patients don't want to be called obese. There are many words that are very hurtful to patients. So we often use weight or excess weight. We also use a vocabulary called patient first language, where we never talk about obese patients. We talk about patients with obesity, just like we don't talk about cancerous patients or diabetic patients. We prefer to say patients with cancer cancer or patients with diabetes. So there are many different strategies that can really change the patient's experience and make them not want to avoid engaging in, in healthcare. Yeah, I think that your point is so important, Dr. Saunders, that you know we're always people. We're always people, people with feelings, people with concerns, people with anxieties, and we're patients second. And you're talking about engaging that patient as a person and individualizing it. And I have a sense that your approaches involve medicine and technology and also an understanding that we're dealing with people's mental well-being. I have a question, you know, Dr. Roney, you've been in the forefront of all this so long. What changes have you seen in the, I'll call it the science of obesity applied since you really began to pioneer this conversation? Well, it's been a process, Gil. And starting out way back when, back in the 1980s, we felt, and I say that literally, we, we had a feeling that obesity was a root cause of diseases like high blood pressure, diabetes, and heart disease, but we had no proof of that. And when researchers would look at obesity as a potential cause of these problems, they would always do their analysis and say, well, you see, if you look at the blood pressure, the cholesterol, the blood sugar, well, then obesity means nothing. It has no independent effect. What they wouldn't factor in is the fact that obesity was driving all those problems. So it took years to show the link between obesity and the many, many illnesses that it causes. And some of the key findings were the recognition that fat cells produce hundreds, literally hundreds of hormones that are critical for the normal functioning of the body. But when they're present in excess, they lead to the many inflammatory diseases and others that we associate with obesity. That was one of the key steps forward. Then following that, there are many others. The discovery of the hormone leptin. What the discovery of leptin in 1994 proved was that fat cells were trying to tell the brain how much fat was stored. And if that connection was interrupted by a genetic mutation of the hormone, that massive obesity ensued and that by giving a genetically engineered version of the hormone, you could actually cure obesity. You could cure it. And I mean, by giving 
the hormone on a regular basis of children who were found to have it, weight went down. I think those were two of the very important findings that helped the rest of the field to move forward. Because if you think about it, if a hormone is trying to tell your brain how much fat is stored, and obviously the system is far more complicated than that, then it's a problem that's more like diabetes or high blood pressure than it is a behavioral disorder. If it can be treated medically with a hormone, then it's not a behavioral disorder. And the problem, you know, we thought back then when, when leptin was discovered that we just give more of it and we would be able to treat obesity. That has not turned out to be the case. It looks like humans are resistant to this hormone rather than not having enough of it. But what we're seeing is that by finding medical treatments that work, and by combining them in certain ways, we're able to help people to comply. People who can't stick with a diet, people who aren't, quote unquote, listening to the advice that's being given, all of a sudden, they can hear you. They, they are able to comply because we're negating the adverse impact of the damage that's done to the weight regulating mechanism. The history that both of you have pioneered in this evolving field, not just in the science that you've brought forward, and not just in bringing this to the nation as, as a practical pathway for engagement, I've got to ask you, what's in the future? I'm a listener. I'm a fan of your work. I'm positive that everybody would like to know what's on the horizon. Can you both share with us what are the advances that you think are going to happen in the next year or two or three? Sure. We've had a lot of success with mimicking certain gut hormones that we produce naturally in the body to feedback, to tell the brain how much fat's being stored, how full we are, just as Dr. Aroni was talking about leptin. There's one in particular called GLP-1, which has turned out to be great as a medication for obesity and for diabetes and actually for cardiovascular risk reduction. So there was a new FDA-approved obesity medication that came to market a few months ago called Wegovi. And this has been really groundbreaking because it's associated with more weight loss than any other agent that we have to treat obesity. And what's very exciting is that in the pipeline, there are similar medications or medications like this in combination with other gut hormones that will lead to even more weight loss, reaching levels of weight loss that people are able to achieve with bariatric surgery. It's fantastic to note. Uh, I, uh, first of all, I want to wish you great, 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 great success on the launch of Weight Matters because weight matters. And I think that our conversation today just reinforces it's not just about weight. It starts with mental well-being, mental health. It starts with a cascade of metabolic or cardiometabolic conditions, all of this. And, you know, on one hand, you've been pioneers. On the other hand, you're really launching a, a very new discipline. So thank you so much for having me on the program today. It's a privilege to be with both of you. I not only wish you great success in terms of the venture, I want to wish you great success because I think it's your platform to reach, unfortunately, the tens of millions of people out there who, who need to hear from you. Best wishes. Thank you for listening to Weight Matters. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. 
To learn more about how Dr. Saunders and Dr. Aroni are working to transform specialized treatments for chronic conditions through the best in medical science and advanced technologies, visit IntelliHealth.co backslash podcast. And be sure to follow, rate, and review this show wherever you listen to podcasts.